Welcome to the Binge Eating to Food Freedom podcast with Katie Papo. Our mission is to share the simplest and most peaceful system for food freedom in the world with people who suffer from binge eating, food addiction, and compulsive overeating. We are here to show that with the right strategy and support, any committed, coachable, and resourceful individual can feel peaceful and free with food. Hello, hello, and welcome to another live class. And today is a special day because we are starting class number two out of our four-week series. And this series is really designed to show you how you can end binge eating without fighting yourself, without dieting, without a single food rule, without a single therapy session, without a single calorie that you have to count. So, um, I feel very grateful to be here because the fact that I'm here means that I'm not doing these things anymore. And it also means that, you know, this is working and we've been seeing this working for a long time now. And this is the most detailed training I've ever given, at least for free, um, on how to really use these tools. So I'm really excited to be here today. Um, and I've been working on this presentation yesterday and this morning. So I'm excited to show you now. And I don't want to take too much time because we have a lot. <laughs> we have a lot to go through today. So let me know you're here. Hello, Elizabeth. Hello, Nancy. Hello, Minnie. I'm seeing some people who I can't see your names come through, but I'm seeing lots of hellos. So thank you. Um, and I'm, I'm, I just want to take a moment to express really how grateful I am to be sharing this because these are the tools that I feel not only saved my life from disordered eating, but continue to help me rescue myself from these other, you know, self-destructive habits that just, you know, come up in work or in relationships or in our own health goals and things like that. And I've been continuing to use these practices that I'm teaching you guys here. And I've been committed to them for a very long time. And what I find is that as I keep practicing them, they just become deeper. And the more I practice, the more convinced I am and the more excited I am to share with you guys. So Thank you for being here and thank you for your openness. So let's begin. I'm going to share my screen. And um, while I do that, I'll just let you know that. Um, to So like I said, today's class number two. So we had class number one last week. And if you haven't watched that, definitely go back and watch that after this. Um, and today we want to start class number two. So um, let's see if this worked. Yes. OK, beautiful. So you guys can see our title slide, training number two. So I've kind of kept the title the same because really what we're doing this week is we're actually building on top of last week. You learned a set of skills last week that you've been practicing over this past week. Um, we've seen some really cool results that I'll share with you in a second. But the idea of this week is to further understand the concepts behind what we're doing here, right? Because it's not taught super conventionally, right? So it's not like this kind of stuff is out there the same way that nutrition stuff is out there. Um, so what we want to do is we do want to go into the why and but especially we want to go into the how. So you can actually practice this on your own. Um, so let's and and this reinforces exactly what I just said, that 99% of your success in what I'm teaching you will come from your practice. And I, I'm, I bring this up a lot because I know that for me, especially 
since I tend to be more intellectual and therefore I tend to attract a lot of people with intellectual minds who, who are more analytical thinkers, we're more, we spend more time in our heads than we do in our bodies, right? So when we have that, we, we're attracted to like researching and learning more and learning different, you know, techniques and stuff like that. But instead of actually embodying them, we just intellectually learn about them. And then we've done all this research and it feels like we've done all this work, yet nothing has changed. So what I'm sharing with you is that while I do go over the theory here, of course, because we need to get on board with why we're doing what we're doing, right? We can't just blindly jump into something. That's not a good habit either. But once we understand the theory, then the actual change will come from your personal practice. That's where the change will happen. Um, and this is actually, I wanted to share Laura, who's in our um, our free uh, binge eating support group. And she's been, you know, sh showed up for class number one with a lot of enthusiasm and has been practicing all week. And she wanted to share some observations that I wanted to share with you guys to just point out some key things here. So she said, I've been doing the breathing practices and I've noticed that I've been moving the food more around in my mouth and the sides of my mouth, being able to enjoy the taste of my food. So listen, we gave practices on breathing, right? I didn't tell Laura, hey, here's things to look out for. Here's things to notice. This came from her doing the practices. And that's the beauty of it is because now this is her personal experience, not a theory that I told her that now she has to, oh, well, I trust Katie, so I'm going to blindly trust her. No. Instead, this is now coming from her personal experience. And when we experience something personally, it reinforces our body's memory of it. It reinforces our mind's memory of it. So the so I can explain things until I'm blue in the face, but until you actually practice them and practice them repetitively, that's when you're going to start to deepen your own your own practice. And that's what she's experiencing. So she said, I think the breathing has helped me a lot to feel less frantic when it's time to eat, which has made for a much more pleasurable eating experience overall. And that's the idea, guys, is that everything I'm teaching you here is supposed to um, increase the pleasure in your life, increase your enjoyment of food, but not increase the out of control component, right? To increase the, like like how someone can, you know, have a, a dessert in a restaurant and say, mm, yum, that was delicious, but I'm, I'm good now, right? Sometimes I, I used to look at that and be like, how? Like, how are you not just shoveling? Like, how is that enough? And that's the idea is, is when, the more we employ these practices, the more pleasurable eating becomes, but we can also be, be satisfied as well. We need to be satisfied. We need to be content because that, that binging comes right when we're not satisfied. So, um, so let's go into to training number two. And thank you, by the way, Laura, for sharing that. You also shared some amazing wins, which I, I would love to go through all of those as well. Um, but we're going to go over, over those themes in this training. So training number two. So here's the agenda. We're going to follow a similar structure to last week, but I will kind of zoom through the things that we did go over last week. So that way I'm not too repetitive, but we're also still getting the reinforcement. So we're going to start with the intention and the mindset. We'll go over that briefly. Then we're going to go into your biggest superpower, which we did last week. We'll go over that briefly as well. Then we'll go over how to activate it. Now, this is going to be a bit different than last week because we are deepening last week's practice and combining it with a new one. Okay, so you will be learning something 
something new that you'll get to practice. You'll get to see the effects. Um, we'll go over the, what that second tool is. Then we will practice together. Um, I'll go over how you can practice this at home, obstacles to watch out for as you're practicing, and then we summarize, all right? So pretty similar to last week. So let me, let me kind of zoom through, but I do wanna still acknowledge the intention and the mindset. First of all, consistency over perfection. Forget perfection, it cannot exist anymore. Okay, whatever idea you had of it, let it go, let it go. Let yourself practice just showing up. Let that be the practice and let that be enough. You just showing up to practice imperfectly. That is what will allow for growth. If we keep putting off um, practice because we wanna wait for it to be perfect, we can't grow. Perfection actually stops growth. It doesn't, it doesn't progress growth. Um, so along those lines, every bit counts, okay, versus the all or nothing. With the all or nothing, we say, ah, screw it all, I'll just start tomorrow, and I'll start fresh. Mm -mm -mm -mm. We have to let go of that mentality and focus every bit counts, because right now, instead of trying to stop binging, what we're actually trying to do is rewire the brain and rewire the body and rewire our reactions to food. So when, as long as that's our intention, the idea of every bit counts is going to help you progress because every time the mind goes through that loop and goes through that process, it's reinforcement. So we don't need to get it perfect in order to grow. And in fact, the more we wait or try to make it perfect, the more it's going to actually stop us. So when we go at it with the mentality of every bit counts, that's what's going to be the most beneficial. Also, the idea of patience. Easier said than done, I know. <laughs> But patience is also really important because as we're rewiring, we have to acknowledge we've already created a pattern. And not only that, but we've created a strong pattern. Like binging is a strong pattern. It's not a, an unbreakable pattern by any stretch. We've seen people break it after five decades, but we still need to be patient with, patient with ourselves, letting the brain go through the process, letting the body go through the process, letting it be a process letting it be a journey and showing up with a positive attitude of let me actually enjoy this journey let me let me um let me make the most out of it let me grow from it also the idea of the beginner's mind so if you hear like oh i've tried that before in this other context and blah it didn't work i don't like it right that's where we come in with like this know-it-all kind of mind and whenever we're learning something new or training ourselves in something new it's really important to come from a beginner's mind because that's aligned with the energy of curiosity. And the more curious you are versus judgmental towards yourself or others like me <laughs> during this, the more curious you are, the more open you'll be and the more you'll actually get to experience. When we're closed off, we don't get to experience very much. And that also goes along with the researcher mind versus the attached mind. Like researchers, they go into it with this energy of, oh, I'm curious, let's see what happens rather than, we have to do it and it has to be this exact result because if we're so fixated on one very specific result, we're blinded to all the other things that are happening. Does that make sense? So the other piece here that's really important mentally to understand, which was a great win for you, Laura, that I saw, um, is to also release the food rules and the weight obsession. So if you have those urges, you know, to count calories or weigh yourself, those are the types of things that do fuel binges and are notorious for fueling binges, which is why it's like, 
Um, still baffling to me how dieting is still so widely used as binge eating treatment when it's the exact thing that fuels binge eating. So it keeps um, it keeps us stuck in this loop where we're like trying harder and harder and 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 making it more and more extreme. And yet it's still getting worse and worse. And it's not a coincidence that the harder we try and the more extreme methods we do, the worse the binge eating gets. And if you've been going through this for years, you've probably seen that already, that it doesn't get better over time or even stay the same. It tends to get worse over time. I'm not saying that's true for everyone, but you know, I talk to a lot of people and this tends to be the pattern. Um, so let's focus on um, the structure, the practices that I'll teach you today, rather than using food rules. Because, right, I know it's intimidating to say, oh, let go of food rules, and then it's just going to be chaos. I'm not suggesting chaos as your method. <laughs> Instead, I'm saying choose it. We're going to we're going to um, choose a different type of structure than what you're used to, but it's still structure. So don't worry. We're not just letting it be a free for all. So okay. So we went over this. Uh, last week, I won't go over it too much. Your biggest superpower within your control, your ability to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. So the question is, how do patterns of stress or trauma, I'm using the word trauma a little bit today, by the way, guys, um, as more of a synonym for stress. A lot of people, when we think of the word trauma, we think of like a single event um, or really like something that happened in war or some kind of sexual abuse, things like that. A lot of times we think of trauma like that, but I'm inviting you to think of trauma as more of just a general stressor. Okay. And we'll go over like how you're, how you may have been experiencing these mini traumas as you've been, um, as whatever patterns of disordered eating you have, have progressed. And you'll see how these like mini traumas are probably coming up throughout your day. And we're going to, we're going to go over how to actually deal with them and heal them. So these are the questions to start asking yourself to understand like where the stress is and where the trauma is for you. So I'll go over these quickly, but you just kind of mentally ask yourself, like, is this me? Does this sound like me? So number one, do you have a long history of dieting? Do you find yourself thinking I've tried everything? Do you want to leave dieting behind? But there's the fear, right? You're too afraid to be without the structure of food rules because then you'll be out of control. So, right, the theme here is the fear of losing control or the fear of, of losing even more control than you have now. Uh, number two, are you no longer able to keep a diet for more than one or two days without falling off the wagon or binging? Now, not just that, but do you also fear and anticipate this happening even before it happens? So let's say you've gone like a day without binging. Are you already afraid of, well, what about tomorrow? Right. We're carrying that fear. Right. Notice this common theme of fear here. Number three, does your desire to eat feel compulsive and obsessive? Does it feel impossible to relax or stop thinking about it until you've given in to the urge, right? So again, it's this energy of tension, right? Fear, tension, compulsiveness, obsessiveness, this fear of I cannot relax until I give myself what I'm craving. Does that make sense? You guys, ex I know you're experiencing that. This is what I was experiencing like, a really good chunk of the day, every day. Um, number four, can you pinpoint particular trigger, trigger foods that you find that you can't control yourself around? So what do I mean by trigger foods? That means when you start eating them, it feels like you've opened the floodgates. So it feels like this could derail a whole day or even weeks or months. Um, 
And, and the reason why that's important to understand in relation to the fear and the trauma and the stress, right, because this is the common theme, is that when we are aware that there are triggers or that there could be triggers, we are in, we, we will carry this undercurrent of stress, this kind of hyper awareness of where might the triggers be? Will it be in this aisle of the supermarket? Will be it be at this party? Will it be around this person because they always bring ice cream into the house? So or uh, will it be this this cabinet? Will it be when I'm home alone? So we start to fear triggers. We start to fear being triggered, which is a very inconvenient thing when we live in the world with other people who we can't control. <laughs> so so what happens when we fear triggers because we can't control them, we live in that constant state of fear where we have that undercurrent of tension and fear. Uh, number five, do you have many rules around food? So these rules might be formal, right? They might be like, hey, I'm following this specific diet. I'm following Mediterranean. I'm following keto. I'm following whatever. Or they might be just invisible judgments like, oh, you know, you really shouldn't be eating that. Or, oh, well, you know, if you have one of those, you're going to mess everything up. Or, oh, you really should just have one of those, right? So it's still that energy of scarcity. It's that energy of restriction, right? And why do we feel that energy of scarcity and restriction? it's the fear that we can't be trusted. Why else would anyone put rules around food? They're so inconvenient, right? But why would we do it? Because we we fear that we can't trust ourselves. So it's the lack of trust, it's the present of fear. So again, it creates this energy of tension around the energy of eating. Number six, are you completely exhausted from thinking of food all the time? So this is this is one of the effects that happens when we do hold ourselves in that constant state of fear, that constant state of tension, that constant state of worry. So do you feel like your brain power is getting depleted from all the obsessive food thoughts? Do you wish you had the mental energy to focus on things that are more important? This is something I hear a lot. Um, even more um, than people saying, I want to lose the weight. Like, yes, that's always part of it. But I hear a lot of times like where the suffering really goes deep is I just my brain is consumed by this. And I just want my brain back because how can I live my best life and how can I live and really thrive if my brain is always occupied with these thoughts of food? It's like I'm missing my life because this is all I can think about. Even when I'm present with family and even when I'm with my kids, I'm still thinking about these things. And that's really where our life gets consumed by this, right? And so it's it's the fear of the thoughts, right? It's the fear when we're having the thoughts. It's the fear of, will I have the thoughts? So again, it's all wrapped up into this like um, energy of stress and tension. Um, and finally, number seven is, is your relationship with food negatively affecting other areas of life? So I put a few examples here, like low confidence at work, not having the time to work on your passions, isolating, overspending money on all this stuff, um, missing out on being present with your family, worrying about things that would otherwise be fun like vacations or dinners out or things like that. So, so not only does this stress energy around food affect you when you're eating, right? But it, the problem is it also affects us when we're not eating. It also affects us when we're doing things that in theory should be great, right? In theory, that should be bringing us peace and joy. But instead, it's being like penetrated by all of this fear and stress around food and fear and thoughts of food. So 
what happened, why this is important to understand, and let me just make sure I'm still going here. Yeah, okay. I like to just make sure that <laughs> technologically we are still connected. Um, so when something traumatic happens, the brain functions differently. And this is well known. This is not something I discovered myself. <laughs> People so much smarter than me have discovered you know, all of the brain functionings. I just learned about it. Um, now, trauma, like I said before, it doesn't need to stem from a single event. So in a traumatic situation, your fight or flight response get triggered. We talked about this a lot last week, the fight or flight response. So the way I'm using the word trauma, stress, tension, I'm kind of using all these words interchangeably to demonstrate how all of these kind of concepts point to the fight or flight response being activated. That's the idea. And your secret weapon here, or I don't like to use the word weapon because we don't want to be in fighting mode. Let's say superpower here is, is the, um, the parasympathetic nervous system, which it didn't used to be understood that we can control that, but now it's known that we can. And I actually, it's being, it's, it's being even further deeply researched and actually how much we can control it. And it ends up being a lot more than the researchers and scientists on this originally thought. So, which is great news for us. <laughs> um, so we talked about this last week, I won't go deep into it, but the stress, the trauma, the tension, it impairs the mind from performing in ways that are necessary to end disordered eating, okay? We need, in order to fix this, we need to have our learning working well. We need to have our memory working well. Our concentration, decision-making, our ability to form habits, our moods, our willpower, our awareness, we need all of these things working properly. And if we are in that fight or flight mode, it cannot. Um, also on a physical level, not just mentally, it will impair the body from reaching whatever physicals, physical goals you have as well. So a lot of people are interested in fat burning, weight loss, better digestion, so as not to have bloating, things like that, better absorption, better elimination, our ability to fight disease, to recover, to free up energy for other things. The body cannot do it. It cannot do it. It's not designed to do it when it's in that fight or flight state. So if we want these things, if we want this mental piece and we want this physical piece as well, as a way to say it, then what do we need to do? We need to learn how to master shifting out of the fight or flight and into the parasympathetic. Not because we need to then just stay there and hold on to it and say, that's it, I can never get stressed again but we need to master the transition from one to the other. And so that way, when we are in that state of stress, we can shift ourselves out of it with minimal effort. Of course, in the beginning, it takes a little bit more effort, but as you practice, this is the type of thing that only gets easier. So there's this notion um, to heal trauma, work with the body. And this is what we have been teaching since day one. Um, a lot of techniques out there around binge eating, and I'm not saying anything negative about them because I do think that there's a place for everything, but I also think that when you use certain techniques, they're gonna be the most beneficial when you have a foundation beneath them. And so what a lot of people do, in my opinion, is skip steps and say, oh, here's how to think differently in order to change your, your relationship with food, right? Because it's all in the mind, right? So if you just think different, then then it'll change right and a lot of times that doesn't work why is that is because we're not actually thinking differently um and and the body and not only that but when we 
especially when we, you know, I see people suggesting things like affirmations and stuff like that. And I love affirmations. I have nothing against affirmations. I use them. But when you, when you're not aligned with it and it still feels like a lie when you're saying it, like, um, for example, like if you were to say I'm peaceful around food, but in your reality, you're, it's chaos around food. It feels totally out of control. So every time you reinforce, oh, I'm peaceful. Oh, I'm peaceful. In theory, right, we should get more peaceful. But what happens when it just feels so incongruent is we keep reinforcing um, the negative because then we'll say in our heads, yeah, but reality is I'm actually totally out of control. And then we continue to reinforce that. So I like to bypass the mind completely especially in the beginning. We, we do work with the mind later. And, and you guys, if, you, if you've worked with us before privately in our, in our program, you know that we do work with the mind. However, that's not where we start. We need to transcend it first <laughs> and then we can work with it because then it's actually more receptive and it's not feeling like this back and forth battle within yourself. If, you, if you're still feeling like you're battling yourself, that means your technique is off. It shouldn't feel like a battle. It should actually feel increasingly peaceful as you go. So what we're teaching here in these, in these, especially in these first two classes, is how to work with the body to heal this trauma. So this is actually, I didn't write this. This is from an article that I found today. I was, I was just curious. I was seeing like what research has done since the last time I looked on, on our methods that we use. And there was one article that was in Psychology Today um, where the, the author, she wrote, what if I told you that we could do therapy for years, talk all day, and if we don't address your body, not much will happen for you. And I wanted to put this quote here just for the people who have done years of talk therapy around this. Um, I personally didn't go that route, but I hear from so many people who have. I've been going through to therapy um, you know, for two years, for four years, for five years, and I feel like nothing really has changed. Like I'm still binging. And I still feel out of control around food. And, you know, we've hashed out a lot of my past, but my actions and behaviors still haven't changed at all. And my thoughts haven't even changed that much either. So her perspective, which um, I share the same perspective, um, is we need to address the physical. This is what she wrote down. I'm just reading. We need to address the physical in order to solve the problem. So the issue is twofold. We need to bring the body's response down. Right. So this is what we taught you last week. We need to bring the body's response down, calm the, down the hormonal messengers. We didn't get too much into hormones, but this, these are the things that happen when you do use these techniques. Calm down the hormonal messengers who are telling you that you're in danger, right? That's the fight or flight. And then we can work on the mental and emotional aspects. So basically, it's the foundation. She says, otherwise, we're setting you up for failure. And that's the way I've seen it is without this foundation, it is setting you up for failure, not permanent failure, because you can always come back, right? But it's 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 not it's incomplete, I should say. Um, so so again, it's about um, bringing the body's response down first, calming down the fight or flight, shifting into the parasympathetic, and once you're in that state, everything else is more accessible. Now you're ready to do the mental work. Now you're ready to do the emotional work. Does that make sense? So this is this is the order that we're teaching you here. And it's important not to skip this foundation because it, the more you get this foundation, the more everything else just feels effortless and starts to come naturally. 
So this is a slide from last week, but I just want to remind you, we cannot control the world. So if the plan is to just control triggers and to try to control the world around you, you will be dependent on everyone kind of um, uh, adjusting things to you, which very rarely happens in life. <laughs> Unfortunately, as someone who has spent a lot of time and energy trying to control the world, I can tell you um, it doesn't always work out that way. <laughs> so so we found that approach to be unstable, to be unsustainable. So what is in your control, not the triggers themselves, not the things in the world, but your reactions and actions as you relate to those things in the world. So what we want to focus on here today and always is focusing on you, okay? Your actions, your reactions, and what you can accomplish by shifting into that relaxed state. And this is going to train you out of the stress response and into a calm and controlled response because that's what we all want, right? It, it's control. We want control. <laughs> it feels so good to have control. Um, but this is a very different type of control than the white knuckle willpower. I need to control myself because I don't trust myself. Instead, this type of control is not out of distrust. It's out of peace. It's I feel in control because I'm peaceful with myself. So different. So different. It took me a long time to understand or at least internalize that difference. That's the kind of thing that comes with practice. So again, last point here, why are both actions and reactions important? So with the actions, right? So I gave you guys, for example, last week I said, all right, here's, you're gonna do your breathing before your meals, during your meals, after your meals. So that's the action, right? That's the foundation, that's an example anyway, of an action. I didn't say, hey, just wait until you're in a totally chaotic state and about to binge and just do your practice then. No, why, why wouldn't I say that? Because in order to, for us to summon our, our, our minds to get and, and our bodies and, and to get everything sort of in line to practice, we need to have a foundation, especially to be able to apply it in a time of crisis. I'm putting crisis in quotes. But um, if we only try to act when we're in our most vulnerable state, we are setting ourselves up to, for a bit of failure because, not fail, I don't love the word failure, but we're setting ourselves up, um, we're not setting ourselves up for the most success we could have. Because if you build the foundation first, then when you are in crisis mode, you actually have something to draw from because you've practiced already. It's like you wouldn't just learn a dance routine and then just perform it in front of an audience once right? You want to perform it over and over and over in your own home, practicing it, get it so much into your muscle memory that once you're in front of the room, all the stress and all the nerves and all the stuff won't matter. And, and even if you feel it, it won't matter because you've practiced the dance so much, it's already in your muscle memory. So even with the stress of having an audience, you can still do it. So this is the idea here is it's like you're you're practicing and you're having all these dress rehearsals and then the and you're building the skill set. And then by the time of some kind of, you know, more chaotic state or feeling comes, you're prepared and you've practiced this. So it's easier to draw from your practices. Does that make sense? Um, all right. OK, so now we're getting into more of like the nitty gritty stuff. So we went over the breath last week. So just for a quick review. The breath shows us what's going on in the mind and the body. So if I'm sitting in front of you, 
going, you know, <laughs> my mind is not calm right now. But if I'm sitting in front of you going, ha, so different, right? So your breath, even if you're not changing it, you can use it as a barometer to see where is my mind right now? What is my state right now? Am I in the fight or flight where I'm shallow chest breathing or am I in the rest and digest where it's long, deep, full breaths? The other reasons I love this tool, similar to the next one I'm gonna teach you in a second, is you can always control your breath. It's always with you. Like this is something you will have for free for the rest of your life. And it also uh, directly and significantly affects body and mind functioning. So your breath will affect the body as fast as anything can, really, because it's moving within you at every moment. So this will directly affect your body's chemistry. This will, it affects everything. Like it affects, I think, even more than science knows <laughs> right now. And it knows a lot. Um, or it's, there's been a lot of discovery ab around how much the breath actually affects. I'm just saying, I think it goes even deeper than that. So your breath is a physical key to understanding and controlling your mind. And your mind is the part of you that needs the most training in ending disordered eating. So instead of trying to fight the mind, like a lot of times people just try to trick the mind and say, oh, well, if the mind wants this, I'll give it this. And, and we try to set ourselves up to trick ourselves. But you guys are too smart <laughs> to trick yourselves. I found for me, I was too smart to trick myself because I'd always find a way to out trick myself and to trick myself back into binging. So instead of playing that game and trying to just fight the currents of the mind and swim against the current, we want to use the breath and the body as an entry point. Okay. And this is what that psychologist I quoted before was referring to. She was saying, use the body as your entry point, essentially. Now we're going into the second tool. Ready for this? So let's blah, 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 shake it out. We're about to learn something new. Okay. So your second tool, and you're going to use this in conjunction with your breathing, is actually your muscles, the things that you already have within you. So why the muscles? So tension and relaxation in the muscles will show you what is going on in your mind and body. So similar to the breath, it's like a barometer, right? So if you see me and I'm like this, what are my shoulders doing? right? They're all the way up here. You know that I'm feeling tension. If I'm sitting like this, right? You can see my face is more relaxed. My shoulders are more relaxed. So you can kind of see just by just visually in someone else, you can see where someone's at based on what their muscles are doing. Muscles are also controllable and trainable. You can control them, right? Ah, <laughs> Controlling them. And they're always with you. you. They will always be attached to you just like your breath. You will have them for the rest of your life. Um, and you'll have them wherever you go. You don't have to worry about packing anything. <laughs> you don't have to put anything in your purse. So I'm giving you tools that you will always have with you. So you can use them in any situation forever. Um, and muscle relaxation also directly and significantly affects body and mind functioning as well. This is, again, not something that I have, um, I have discovered. People smarter and better discovered this long before me. Um, but there are, um, what I've noticed is that there are increasing studies that pr are promoting progressive muscle relaxation for all sorts of trauma um, and now eating disorders, which is, I think, a really good step in the right direction from what the conventional treatment has been. So um, we still have a ways to go, 
However, I, I do believe things are moving in a positive direction. So muscle relax, it's very well known that muscle relaxation will directly affect your body and mind functioning. So we want to take advantage of this tool. So I want to give you some examples right now. So this is less theoretical and you can see more how it's going to apply to you. Let me make sure I'm still. Yeah, good. We're still here. Um, by the way, I see that a bunch of you are writing questions and stuff and comments and, and all those things. Keep writing them. I can't see them as I'm doing this now, but um, I, I, I always see the comments after and I do respond to them. So continue to post your comments and your questions and, and also just write down things that stand out to you to remember because just writing them down will help you remember them. So when something stands out, write it down. Okay, so here are some examples of this tension that I'm explaining. So notice again, I'm using the word tension as synonymous with fight or flight, trauma, stress. I'm using all of these words interchangeably, okay? Because the, the whole point of everything that we're doing is shifting from the sympathetic, which is you know the tension and the stress and the trauma, and we wanna shift to parasympathetic, okay? Which is the rest and digest and the peace and the control and all those things. Okay, so here are some examples. So cravings and fear of cravings. Okay, where do we hold tension? And this is a personal question. You'll find out soon as you're practicing this week. Where do you hold tension when you experience cravings or fear of cravings, right? Because anytime we experience fear, tension will be held somewhere, often in multiple places. We will hold it in our muscles. We will hold it in our bodies. Um, anger. Think of, think of just... Uh, how the body reacts when we're angry, right? We have the mental, we have the emotion of anger, right? But what's the physical result of that? How does it affect the muscles? We tense, right? It's it's pure tension, anger. Um, same with fear, fear of triggers. Like think of what we do when we brace ourselves, right? From something we're afraid of, we contract. It's a contracted kind of physical motion. So there's always this tension, right? So if we're thinking about, oh, I have to go to this event later, even just the thought of that, the body's going to start to feel it. The body's going to start to contract even before you're at the event. Just the thought of it alone is enough to trigger that physical reaction. Um, worry or anger or fear about weight right? So we might get that even just thinking to ourselves like, oh, I've gained so much weight, right? I even, I actually just felt that in my body as I said it. Um, I felt like a strong tension and contraction like right here. So, and everyone's going to be different, but there will be tension whenever we're dealing with worry, anger, fear, we will be holding tension physically in these different places. Tension in the abdomen, that's a really big one. And so I wanted to kind of put it in its own category here. Um, and part of that is, you know, the tension of, of um, the fear and the, and the emotional components. But another part of it is, is actually the, the way we restrict the abdomen from really tight clothing um, that doesn't fit or constantly sucking in. We severely restrict our breathing and our muscles when we wear really, really tight clothing and this whole idea of like being comfortable in your clothes, the way to think about it, guys, is to actually ask yourself, am I physically comfortable in my clothes? Like, does this actually fit me? Because if you're wearing things that are too small or are constricting you and affect your breathing in that negative way or affect your ability to physically relax yourself, um, 
what ends up happening is you end up creating more and more stress and all of those um, and all of those thoughts that continue to reaffirm um, how uncomfortable you are and how fat you feel and and all of those sorts of thoughts are are binge um, binge fuel. All of those types of thoughts fuel binges. So when we talk about being comfortable in your clothing, we also need to consider that physical actual comfort because the more tension we're holding and the more tension we're imposing on ourselves through our clothing, the more we're just going to carry tension throughout the day and the more we're going to need a release from that tension, which eventually, what do we do? We turn to food for that release. So I'm getting ahead of myself, but I wanted to point that out for those of you who struggle with that. Um, tension with hands, jaw, eyes, forehead. So even think about when you're physically eating, right? Even just the act, like I know for me, I call, I call um, the way I would eat when I would binge was like shoveling. And it was all, it was, there's always physical tension in that. There's the shoulders are coming up, the hands are clenched, the jaw is clenched and, you know, chewing really quickly. So there's that constant tension in the jaw. And then where there's also hunched over. So the, so the abdomen isn't even open, it's tense. And then the chin is even down. So we're restricting our breathing. So we're basically fueling as we're eating, we're fueling the fight or flight response even more by holding that tension, by, by constricting the breath in that way. So we're basically kind of like putting ourselves, that's, that's so much of the reason why all this feels like a loop and why it all feels like a cycle. Because we are putting our, our bodies physically through that cycle of trauma over and over and over and over again. Um, and it experiences that. So uh, where am I now? Oh, last, last bullet point here, pain from overeating, right? After we're done, it still hurts, it, right? We, we don't end satisfied, we end in even more pain. So I know for me, when I was in pain, I would have to like lie down on my side and hunch over and I'm like holding myself and just look at the body language here. Like look how tense this body language looks, right? So, and not only that, but it's also the, the body language that goes along with certain emotions, right? when we have guilt, when we have shame, like we're never like, you know, ha, laying back when we experience those emotions, we carry deep restriction, constriction, um, and tension. Now, um, one of the things that we do, and I'm on the last line at the bottom here right now, because this is an important point to know, is a lot of times, um, this is the pattern of nighttime eating, right, is we've been carrying this tension um, this is really good for you guys. Um, not only for people who experience nighttime eating, this is true for everyone, but I think it's especially, it's especially well illustrated through the pattern of nighttime eating. So with nighttime eating, a lot of times what happens, uh, is we go through the day and, you know, we experience all this stress throughout the day, like all of the things that you see here, or may maybe we're using the tension to fight our cravings and to, and to try to, you know, win that battle. We, we, put a lot of tension into that. So by the time that the, the day is almost over, we're exhausted. Like we have been tense and holding ourselves in that constricted state, in that fight or flight for the whole day. So what are we craving more than anything else? Like what sensation do we want? We want to feel, we want to feel relaxed. We want to feel the release of all of that tension. Now, if we start to crave a food, what happens? we start to increase the tension around that food, around ourselves, around that food. And the food is, it, it's not because of the food, the food's just the trigger. 
but we start to increase the tension in our cells because we start to think, oh, should I have it? Shouldn't I have it? Oh, if I have it now, it's that many calories. Oh, I shouldn't have it. It's past 7 p.m. And we start to go into this and we're hyping ourselves up, basically. We're increasing the tension the more we experience the craving. And not only that, but the more we fight the craving, the more tension there is. So eventually, as humans, we need to have a release from that tension. We're not meant to be in the fight or flight for that long. We're not meant to carry it like that. It's supposed to be something quick, right? Like a lion's chasing us. Oh, we get away and now we can be relaxed again. But if we're constantly holding this, especially the fear of binging and all of this stuff, and we're carrying it day after day, we are going to desperately crave a break, right? And so what do we what do we give ourselves when we need that break? Food. We numb ourselves with food because my goodness, we find we just want to feel some relief from all of that tension that has built up. So so what do we do at night, right? That's that's a lot of like that's the time to relax and the body knows and the body wants to relax and we want to relax. But then we use the food and we use it in such a way that it's not actually relaxing. In fact, it like, again, when it's frenetic, it continues to fuel the fight or flight response. So then we keep eating because we just want to be relaxed, but then it doesn't turn into real relaxation. What happens is we just eat until then we are numb. And when we're numb, we are still holding on to tension. We are, but we're not feeling it anymore. That's a very important distinction because a lot of people think, oh, I eat to relax. And it's important to understand what you're what's actually happening instead, because relaxation and numbing cannot happen at the same time. But the numbing is still it still feels like relief from the tension. Right. Because it is it is relief, because even though the tension is still there, you might still have tension in your forehead. You might still have it in your shoulders. You might still be hunched over but you're so numb, you can't feel it. But again, then we feel the guilt and the shame and we're starting, and then we start to escalate that stress again into the next day. Oh, starting tomorrow, I have to really get on top of this. I feel so sick now that tomorrow I have to really be good. I have to really follow the rules. I have to really stick with the diet. And then we start to bring up that stress and that tension again. And that's how the cycle continues day after day. So what do we need to do is we need to actually dissolve the tension without numbing, but to still do it in an effective way. So that way we can enjoy food and start to bring pleasure back in and start to bring peace back into the into the experience. Um, is this making sense so far, guys? Does this? Uh, I see some people saying, yeah, I'm always in that tension. Yeah, I, I feel you. I've, I mean, God knows it's still a practice for me. Um, not so much around food anymore, but around other things. I'm I'm applying this to other things now. And um, there's no shame. Like this is also the culture, right? This is the hustle culture. And I'm not blaming culture because I think that's silly. We're all responsible for ourselves and we don't need to blame anything else. But but it is also important to be compassionate and forgiving for ourselves that this is a habit. Does that make sense? Um, and and in order to to find a, a new approach, we can't beat ourselves into it because that continues to fuel all that stress cycle. It's very stressful to give a beating and to take a beating. <laughs> so what we want to do is approach this with the energy of compassion and forgiveness for ourselves 
and with the energy of let me expand and let me grow and let me see how I can change in a more peaceful way. Okay. So let me just show you some, some physical examples. Um, I just searched for some photos this morning to just show you so you can start to be aware in yourself physically where this tension is, because this is going to connect to the practice that I'm going to give you for this week. So look at this person's forehead. See the eyebrows and see the crease in the eyebrows? Okay. And you guys can practice with this with me right now. Scrunch up your forehead. Scrunch up your forehead. Try to push your eyebrows together. And now exhale, relax the eyebrows and imagine the eyebrows drawing apart from one another. And we're gonna do that again with the breath. So deeply inhale. Exhale, just imagine the eyebrows separating apart from one another. I'm showing you just with my hand so you can see the direction. Okay, just like that. Okay, now just that little shift, right? What are you doing? You are, you are physically practicing releasing tension from the body. So what tension was there is no longer there. And that's the shift. It's not to then say, oh, now I can never scrunch my forehead again and I have to keep it relaxed for the rest of my life. No, it's about how efficiently and peacefully can I take myself from that little place of stress right here to release that stress, okay? Because if we can do it right here in between the eyebrows, and we learn how to do that, we can learn to do that throughout the entire body. And the more we do it, the more we're, we're releasing stress as we go. And it doesn't have to build up to be that huge thing at night that then we're totally fighting ourselves. We learn to release it in teeny amounts throughout the day, right? So the body doesn't hold it. The body doesn't hold it. It doesn't build up. It doesn't become unbearable. We don't crave that deep release that then we give ourselves through numbing. Does that make sense? Another example here. So this, to me, this image represents anxiety. Um, and you can even see the tension in the hand. I wanna actually point out the tension in two places. You, you can still see it in the eyebrows, right? Like just how we showed, you can relax there. But you can also see it in the hand. Pay attention, just close your eyes right now. Pay attention to your hands. What are your hands doing? Is there tension in your hands? Can you release tension in your hands any amount, right? And here you can see the nail biting, right? There's physical tension being held in the hands. We need to release that. Um, same with, you can see it in the jaw. A lot of people, especially around uh, uh, eating, there's a lot of tension in the jaw. I see it all the time. So also separating the back teeth to relax the jaw, right? Instead of the clench, right? When we clench. Um, which is also connected to, you know, chewing. Um, but this is the idea is that there will be tension held in all these places just by thoughts, right? Like this, this could have easily been a, a portrait of me deciding in a store if I should buy the cookies or not. Like this is me hold, like holding the tension. Um, so what we need to do is we need to start releasing this tension and train the body to do it to help it shift back into the parasympathetic. This uh, image for me represented mental exhaustion. Look at the forehead, see all the lines in the forehead and see how he's holding like the bridge of his nose. This is where a lot of times um, people get headaches. Here, 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 we get these here, we get these headaches, right? Because we're holding we're, the, 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 the head and the, the muscles in the face 
are continuously holding this tension. We used to, we had a client actually who she didn't come to us for migraines. Um, she came to us obviously for binge eating, but she migraines. She had a, a, a huge um, issue for years with migraines, really bad ones that put her out of commission. And by using the recordings that we gave her just in the first couple of weeks, actually, I think it was only one week, um, her migraines were gone. <laughs> like they didn't come back because she just kept practicing this and physically releasing the tension in the head. So, so again, this is the kind of stuff that can be released. So you can scrunch up your forehead and then you release it. Scrunch up your forehead, release it. Start training your body, showing your body how you transition between tense, release, tense, release, show the body the difference. Okay, it needs to start becoming aware of the difference. I just wanted to show also some examples of relaxed body language. So here you see the first photo all the way to the left. The reason I chose this one to show you guys is because of the expansiveness, right? A lot of times when we're especially stressed or, or low self-confidence, we kind of hunch. We restrict our entire breathing that way. We affect our the way our organs are positioned. We, we hold tension. We're, we're putting so much tension in the body that continues to loop us back into this para, into the sympathetic nervous system. So here he's very open. Notice how it's easier for the ribs to flare out when he breathes. Um, his his uh, everything's like in a line here. So so no breathing is cut off. He can breathe openly. Um, the second photo I wanted to show you because that's more of like facial relaxation that I want you guys to also start experiencing this week. And I picked the third one because this person has their eyes closed and also is making a point to connect with the body. And this is a big part of what you're going to be doing this week is you're going to be shifting from your thoughts and your head into being in the body. Like actually, like if you think about how often we walk around just in our heads, like I, I used to walk around, and I still do sometimes where I won't even realize that I'm been sitting so long that I'm in pain because I my mind was so active and my mind was so captivated that I didn't even realize that my legs started to hurt or that my leg fell asleep, right? That means I'm in my head, but I'm not in my body. When we close the eyes and we bring our awareness to different areas of the body, we can actually feel what's happening. This is what I want to start showing you guys how to do. So, uh, so these are just some examples of more relaxed body language that we're going to be going towards. So what happens to the breath and the muscles during these situations? So we went over this, right? We went over that when the breath and the, the, the breath and the muscles, they're both barometers to show us how, how, like what is our, what is my current state? But we can also control them. We can control our muscles. We can control the breath. So if we don't, if the state that we're in currently is not conducive to our growth and to our healing, we shift. And that's the point of what we're doing here is to show you how to shift. So by controlling your breath, that's a typo, and the muscles, you can release stored trauma and stress from the body and shift to the parasympathetic state where all of these positive body and mind effects become possible. So your two tools, so, so far we have the breath and the muscles. These are the two tools that you have. Um, they can be trained separately, um, but what I found, you know, just because I've been using both of these tools for a really long time, at least 10 years that I've been like really consistently practicing within myself as well. Um, I find, and with our clients too, we found that 
when we train them together, you can use one to help advance and deepen the other. So the more work that you do with your muscles, the more you, you're going to be able to deepen even your breathing practice. The more you, you deepen your breathing practice, the more efficiently and um, deeply you're going to be able to relax your muscles. Now, in the beginning, when you first start doing this stuff, especially because there is mechanics to it, right? Like I used to, well, I still do teach this, obviously, but I used to teach this in the settings of, of more like yoga and stuff like that, where where we would be using the breath and using the muscles in these specific ways. But the thing is, is that when you use them together, they just keep fueling each other. And, and so much of what we do here is because because what you guys I know and what I always wanted was to get out of that negative loop. In order to do that, we need to build a positive loop where we're constantly bringing ourselves back to the parasympathetic, right? Because um, that's the opposite loop of where you've been. So the both of these tools, the more you use them together, the more deep you can go into each of them. So again, it's coming back to this concept to heal the trauma, to heal the stress, to heal the tension, to heal the disordered eating. We work with the body first. We use the body as the entry point. We use the breath and the muscles. These are the entryways in so we can bypass the mind. We don't have to deal with fighting the mind. We don't have to deal with the thoughts. We come straight to the body, prepare ourselves properly, create that foundation. Now we can deal with the mental stuff. Now we can deal with the emotional stuff because we're doing it from a place of peace rather than from a place of fear or desperation. We're doing it from a place of peace and control. Does that make sense? And again, the, like the psychologist said, I agree. I forgot her name. Sorry to that person. Um, she says like, this is why if you just keep talking about it, I'm not saying anything negative about talk therapy, by the way, I don't want to put, put that out there because talk therapy is so valuable in so many ways, but I'm just saying in this particular context, why would we, why would we advise to use the body as an entry point instead? Because we need to uh, bring the body's response down. Like she says, calm the hormonal messengers who are telling you that you're in danger. Then we get to work on the mental and emotional aspects. And a lot of time guys, what we find just doing this work with as many people as we have by now, a lot of that stuff just takes care of itself on its own. You don't really, it doesn't, it, a lot of it takes care of you. Obviously we can talk through things, but it's nothing like, um, it's nothing like when you're trying to fix something from a place of desperation or trying to run away or trying to fight yourself. Like all of that energy just reinforces the energy. It's war, it's battle. Who wants to live like that? So instead we want to approach this in the most peaceful, healing way that we possibly can. So that way it's not a trauma to heal yourself, right? It shouldn't be a trauma to heal yourself. It should be beautiful to heal yourself. So we want to set you up for success. So again, once we can achieve that parasympathetic state, now we can have access to our learning, to our memory, to our concentration, decision-making, blah, 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 all these wonderful things. And also the rest and digest state allows the body to get on board, right? Now, ah, now that the body feels safe, oh, I can burn fat. Oh, I can lose weight. Oh, I can digest so much better. Oh, I eliminate so much better. Oh, I'm so rested now. I have so much more energy now. So this is the, so, so it all happens automatically. And that's why I always say also, and this is a super important point um, for any of you who are uh, really weight loss oriented and you're trying just always to lose weight with this method, weight loss cannot be the goal anymore. It needs to be the side effect of this work. 
which means that the body takes care of it on its own and it's not you trying to control or manipulate your weight. Instead, what you are trying to control and manipulate, because don't worry, you still get to control something. <laughs> the part you do get to control is bringing yourself to the parasympathetic state. Once you're there, the body can do whatever it needs to to achieve its equilibrium, whether it's with weight or anything else. The body is going to be in its highest and best functioning on all levels when we are in that rest and digest mode. Just the fact that it's called rest and digest, right? Should give us a, a little reminder. Um, so we want to bring ourselves to that state and let that be your goal. How can I keep myself transitioning back to the state, back to the state, back to the state so much that now this is becoming my home. This is becoming my body's home. It's no longer that I live in stress land and I just visit relaxation once in a while. No, now it's that I'm living more in this state and living more in the parasympathetic. And now the stress is just a place that I visit from time to time. That's where we wanna be. Because in that state, now we don't have to worry about fighting the body and trying to control it and trying to manipulate it because the body naturally takes care of all of these functions when we're calm, when we're in, the, when the body feels safe and in that calm state. Does that make sense, guys? Um, yeah, good. And some of you are writing down like Jamie, that's a, that's such a good observation. You said I ball up my hands all the time. That's such a good thing just to know, because now when you're practicing this, your mind is going to say, oh, let me check my hands. Ah, hands are relaxed, right? So the more you practice this, the more you're going to find, oh, it's my forehead that's always tensing up. Oh, it's my jaw. Oh, it's my hands. And then you're going to naturally, ah, everything starts to whoo, feel a little more relaxed. So, so let's go into now the basics of how to activate your parasympathetic nervous system using your muscles. Okay, so last week we learned how to do this with breathing. We're going to now learn how to do this with muscles. Um, oh gosh, within the next 15 minutes. <laughs> And um, then we're going to actually combine, we'll do a practice together where we'll combine your breath work that you learned last week with the muscle relaxation this week. So you'll actually practice and you'll use your exhale. Um, look at the third bullet point for a second. It says using breath work to deepen muscle relaxation on the exhale. So think of just the energy of an exhale, okay, is a release, is it not? Right? We're inhaling, we're taking something in. When we exhale, that's a release. We are releasing something. So if we can combine the release of the exhale with the release of the muscles, that's like a double whammy kind of release. Like that's a really good release. So if I were to practice, right, releasing releasing the muscles, I might, um, let's say, let's do shoulders because you'll be able to see my shoulders. Let's say my shoulders are tense, right? I might inhale. And then as I exhale, then I might even, even though my shoulders are down, I might take another breath and see if I can relax my shoulders any amount more. So you might've seen them gone down just a little bit more. So it's subtle, right? This stuff can be subtle, but the more you go inward and you start to pay attention to these things, the more you will actually feel it yourself. And that's where we want to be, where you can actually feel it. Now there's different techniques. Okay. And I, I can't, um, I mean, I guess I could, but it would take a very long time. 
I can't go into necessarily all of the different muscle relaxation techniques. I want to go over in generalities and kind of give you a, an overview with our clients. What we do is I, I literally write scripts and record my voice. Um, so that way there's minimal thinking and practice can just happen, which is why I'm giving you guys also a practice during this talk. So it's not just, you know, bullet points, you actually get the, the experience. Um, but there are different techniques. So some of it can be if, if, for example, you're a person who's like never relaxed in your life and your body needs to actually learn the difference, a tense and release practice will be good, right? Because you, you show the body, this is tension, squeeze, 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 and then release, right? And then we can use the breath to even get a deeper release. Um, so the, the another technique, the second bullet point is the systematic relaxation, where just, you know, going, scanning the body head to toe, relaxing muscle by muscle by muscle by muscle. Um, and then the third, which we're going to practice this one today, because we want to do a combo, is using breath work to deepen the muscle relaxation. So I will say that if you're not, uh, if you're practicing this and you're finding it difficult, first of all, you might just need more practice, right? And this is what it's all about is practice. This is probably the hardest part for me to learn personally um, because I'm so wound up. And you guys can see like, this is me in more relaxed mode. <laughs> I'm still like, blah. Um, but the thing is, is the more we understand how to shift back into that state, back into the parasympathetic, then we can let ourselves, you know, get excited and, and even, you know, feel certain healthy levels of stress, but we can always bring ourselves back down. So the practice isn't to just achieve a state and then hold it there. We want to master the transition. Okay. So the more you practice, the better it is. And if you have trouble doing it, you might just need more practice or your technique might be off as well. So, uh, and this is why a lot of people, you know, want to work with us privately because then we can get into those things. Like we can see you on video. We can, we can get into all of these things and we can prescribe, you know, very specific things for you and your situation. But for our purposes today, what we want to really focus on is getting the feeling down. Like this is what we want is getting the main feeling down. So that way you can build on that and get that initial feeling. So let's practice. Okay. So what I'll do for this is I'm actually going to invite you. Um, I'm actually going to invite you to lie down if you can, you don't have to, but lying down will be helpful because then you're not even using your spinal muscles to hold yourself up. Like you can actually release those too, but you can also just find a nice, you know, straight spine and just try to relax all of the muscles holding. So obviously I'm going to be standing as I guide you through this. So what we'll do is we'll just explore a few different parts of the body. I will guide you through it. Um, so all you need to do is close your eyes and just try to have the experience, but I'll guide you through different places. And your job is not to try to control or do anything, um, you know, with a lot of energy, right? You, you really just want to relax and you want to try to let go and release. Okay. So we'll start with a little bit of breathing. So find your straight spine, whether you're lying down or whether you're seated. And if you are seated, just stretch up the crown of the head a little bit to the ceiling, just to lengthen the spine and connect with your breath. And remember, as you breathe, the abdomen expands with the inhale and softens with the exhale. Inhale, belly expand. 
Exhale, release. And now we'll do this with a count, inhaling for four and exhaling for six seconds. So deeply inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five. Last one. Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five. Allow the eyes to stay closed and just imagine yourself bringing your awareness inward, being, practicing being in the body right now, being in the body. This is your home. This is where you live. Practice being here. And now deeply inhale and lift your shoulders up to the ears. Exhale, release the shoulders down. Good, now keep the attention on the shoulders. Now without lifting them, deeply inhale. And as you exhale, imagine the shoulders relaxing any amount more. We'll do that two more times. Deeply inhale. Exhale, relax the shoulders any amount more. Last one like that, deeply inhale. Exhale, relax the shoulders any amount more. Good, let the shoulders be. And now bring your awareness to your hands. Okay, actually let's just focus on the right hand for right now. Focus on your right hand. Now you can even squeeze the hand, squeeze your right hand. Good, squeeze, 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 deeply inhale. Now, as you exhale, just release the hand. Good, now keep your attention on your right hand without tensing it, leave it as it is, but deeply inhale. Now, as you exhale, see if you can just soften the right hand any amount, relaxing the palm. Good, keep the focus on the right hand. Once again, deeply inhale. Exhale, soften the right hand, soften the palm, soften the wrist, any amount. Good, awareness on the right hand, right fingers, deeply inhale. Exhale, soften the fingers of the right hand, soften the fingers, let them be heavy. Two more like that, deeply inhale. Exhale, soften the hand. Soften the fingers, any amount. Deeply inhale, last one. Exhale, let the right hand be completely limp and heavy. And just continue slow breathing. And see if you can observe any difference, any physical difference between the right hand and the left hand now. There's no right answer, just any 
any difference you notice, if at all. Good. Now we're going to go to one more spot just for the sake of practice. By the way, you can do this with your left hand as well, but for the sake of our purposes, let's go up to the face. Now come back to a nice, long, deep breath, right? Abdomen, expand with the inhale. Abdomen, release with the exhale. Now the awareness comes to the face. So bring your awareness to the eyebrows and the forehead. And while keeping your breathing relaxed, just see if you can release the forehead any amount, drawing the eyebrows apart from one another. Good, now let's coordinate that with the breath. So deeply inhale. Now as you exhale, draw the eyebrows apart from one another. Two more like that, deeply inhale. Exhale, draw the eyebrows apart, relax the forehead. Last one here, deeply inhale. Exhale, relax the forehead completely. Good, last spot that we're gonna work on for right now Bring your awareness to the jaw. And for a moment, just clench the back teeth, clench them. And you can even feel the muscle here that's tense. Clench the jaw, good. Now deeply inhale and exhale, release the jaw. Good, now deeply inhale and exhale see if you can just soften the jaw any amount more separating the back teeth try that a couple more times with every exhale just see if the jaw can be a little bit more any amount more relaxed relaxing the lips relaxing the tongue away from the roof of the mouth A little bit more relaxation with every exhale. Very, very good. Now finally, bring your awareness to your abdomen and see if you can just relax your abdomen any amount. Now deeply inhale, expand the abdomen Exhale, let it be soft. Good, now let's just slow the breath down here, really just focusing on the abdomen, letting it be calm. Deeply inhale. And deep exhales. Now just try that three more times quietly on your own. Deeply inhaling. And as you exhale, just let all the body relax any amount. Actually, let's do a few together, then we'll do a few on your own. So deeply inhale, abdomen expand. And as you exhale, soften the entire body. Let it be completely soft. Good, next breath, deeply inhale. 
Exhale, relax the body, relax the muscles any amount. One more together, deeply inhale. Exhale, soften the muscles like you're just turning into a puddle. And now try that three more times on your own. And with every exhale, just see if you can release a little bit more, turning a little bit more and more into that puddle. Very good. One last breath together. Deeply inhale. Exhale, let it go. Beautiful. And just gently allow the eyes to open. And just notice the state you are in now versus before we started this exercise. Okay? This is the shift. I can feel it right now. Like I just noticed, and you probably can hear it. My voice is quieter. I'm talking slower. There's more pauses. I can feel the body heavy. I'm trying to narrate this because it's not something that's always totally visible. It's something that you feel. And by practicing this again and again and again, you will feel it more and more deeply. You will be more sensitive to it. Um, and not only that, but what ends up happening is you can achieve that state even more quickly. And feel free to write in the comments, by the way, like what's the difference now? Like what does it feel like before we started versus after? Could you feel the difference between the right hand versus the left hand when we just relaxed one of the hands, right? Somebody just wrote, oh, I can't see your name. Someone wrote, wow, I always had a hard time turning my head off at night, but this actually works. And we, this is one of the practices that in our program anyway, we also have these practices in the evening, um, you know, specific to whatever it is that we're working on at that time. And what we found is that people sleep, it's not anything that we, try to train people in, right? We're, our, our purpose is to end binge eating and food addiction and emotional eating. But we find that there's all these positive side effects of, oh, I'm sleeping better now. Oh, I don't have headaches anymore. Oh, I don't have this fatigue anymore. Oh, I'm not holding on to all this bloating anymore. Like all these physical and also emotional, right? Because the mind follows, like you guys can feel the more we relax the body, the mind starts to follow, doesn't it? right? The mind and the body, they're, they're married. They're married forever. They're married for your whole life. So the way to start accessing a calmer mind is through a calmer body. And in order to do this work around our relationship with food, we must have a calm mind or we will always be operating out of fear, which continues to fuel that loop that we don't want. Now we're shifting ourselves so we can create this loop that we do want that is serving us. Does that make sense? And um, someone asked a great question uh, the other day um, after doing the work from class number one who said, is this like how I should naturally be? <laughs> is this how people naturally are who don't have these issues, right? And this practice, right? The breath and, and the relaxation 
this practice is how we naturally are. We are natural nose breathers. As babies, that is how we breathe. We are natural. We're not holding chronic tension. All this tension and all of this stuff, this is learned, right? And we learn it through mirroring those around us. We learn it through, you know, just our own survival, how we have to survive in the world ourselves and the coping mechanisms we've created. But now when we realize that this, these old uh, strategies are no longer serving us, we have to ask ourselves, okay, in order for me to get from point A where I am now to point B of where I wanna be, this old strategy hasn't been getting me there. So I need to do something different to create a new loop that's gonna continue to propel me forward. So, um, so here's how I want you guys now to practice at home. So first of all, the the I want us to stay consistent for now, right, with the times where you're practicing. So right now, the main time I was going to have you guys practice, right, is actually when you're eating, whether it's a snack, whether it's a bite of something, whether it's a whole meal, anytime food is is coming, <laughs> practice, because then you're you're associating the relaxation and this and this practice with food, whereas before the food is associated with the stress. This food is associated with the trigger. So we want to have a new pairing here. We want to interrupt the old way and we want to have a, 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 a new pairing. Very cool. I'm happy, Pam, that you can feel a, a huge difference. That's awesome. So, so here's how to practice at home. And I'll, after this, by the way, I'll give you, you know, the things to watch out for, like the common mistakes that people make. But here's what you do. So before, during, and after eating practice shifting yourself into this state. And again, it's not a one-time deal where, oh, I I ate or I'm, I'm about to eat, so I'm going to relax myself and then I'm going to forget about it. No, because we want to be aware when we shift back because you will shift back. You will shift back into that fight or flight because this is the habit, right? This is just the habit of the mind. It's not bad. It doesn't make you bad. This is like the most normal thing in the world. But we want to master that transition to come back, to come back, to come back. So you don't have to be afraid when you're, you know, oh, I got myself all relaxed ah, and then I got tense again. That's not bad. All it means is, oh, now you've got another practice opportunity to practice the transition to come back. So before you eat, take some breaths. I'm not going to tell you how many because it's different and we can really only prescribe things like that when we know you and we're working with you one-on-one. -on -one. So general rule, I don't love the word rule, general tool <laughs> is relax yourself before you eat. Take a moment. Don't pick up your food yet. Just sit for a second. Observe your current state. What's my breath like? Where is there tension in the body? And then see how you can relax it. So it might just look like something like Remember, exhales are longer than the inhale. Then I go to my forehead. Exhale, relax the forehead. By the way, I'm, you don't use your you don't have to use your hands. I'm just pointing to show you where where the focus is. Then you can focus on your jaw. Deeply inhale. Exhale, relax the jaw. You might, if you notice a lot of tension there, you might even want to do it again. And shoulders. and down and down and down. 
little pro tip here, guys. This is a good one. Especially relax the parts of your body that are associated with eating. So focus, for example, on your hands, right? Your hands will be doing the eating, your hands or some of the eating, right? It's going to do the cutting and the, and the shoveling or not the shoveling, the spooning. What is it called? I don't know. Um, you can see my brain got very relaxed. <laughs> um, so your hands are associated with eating. Your mouth, your jaw is associated with eating. Your eyes, you're actually seeing, right? Your abdomen, right, is associated with eating. So all of these parts of the body that are associated with eating, make sure, like, kind of take a checkpoint on each on each part, relax each part, and feel a difference in relaxation for each part, because these are the places in the body where you are accustomed to holding tension. These are the places. So we need to learn how to train these parts of the body to relax, okay? So that way the body learns, oh, I'm not in a dangerous situation. Whereas normally the body's like, ah, I'm in a dangerous situation, right? And it's, and it's eating for the coping mechanism, right? So instead, and we're not trying to not eat, right? We're just trying to relax while we eat. We're not putting rules on eating. We're not saying I can eat this, but not that. We're not saying, oh, I can only eat this portion. No, there's no rules around the food itself, okay? The structure comes from, let me see how relaxed I can get during this process, because that now separates the trauma response from the trigger, okay? So the food is still there, right? So it's still food, but your response is completely different now. So you're training the body, you're training the mind out of the old response and into a different response. Does that make sense? Um, okay, so obstacles to watch out for quickly. I said that this class was gonna be shorter than last week, but I was wrong. It's gonna be about the same. <laughs> um, so obstacles to watch out for. So first of all, this is where people get like hung up on, on, on the wrong thing. So losing sight of the proper mindset. Okay. So just review the beginning of these slides. Again, we want to keep that beginner mind, that curiosity um, without trying to control a result. Okay. You want to do this for the sake of building the skill and shifting into the parasympathetic state. That is the goal here. Um, number two, along those same lines, we don't want to use these tools to try to get rid of binge eating. Okay. We want to focus on training the skill. If you do this with the intention to try to get rid of binge eating, and I know how counterintuitive this sounds, and it is, it's counterintuitive because we say, oh, I want to get rid of binge eating. So let me focus on getting rid of binge eating. But the ironic part about that is the more we try to say, I can't binge, the more we want to binge, right? That in itself is a restriction. So we don't want to say, oh, let me relax myself because then maybe I'll eat less, right? There we're imposing restrictions. We're saying, oh, well, if I do this, that means I have to eat less. So instead, we want to just use the tools to shift the to shift the body into the parasympathetic state, but not use it with that secret agenda of, oh, if I do this, hopefully I'll eat less. Does that make sense? Um, uh, another obstacle to watch out for, the third bullet point down, uh, rushing and impatience or practicing mindlessly. Um, now, I don't want to confuse this with any amount because, again, don't get hung up on doing this perfectly. Like if you do it and you're like, oh, I'm not relaxed as I was before, it doesn't matter. Keep practicing. Like all of this comes through the practice. Remember, 99% of your success will come from practice. So um, let yourself do any amount. So even if you're just like, ah, I'm feeling chaotic, I can't bring myself to breathe, 
let yourself do just one breath, right? Let yourself relax one part of the body, okay? You don't have to do the whole scan, but let yourself embrace that idea of any amount. So no matter what, you are still bringing the, the you're rewiring in the right direction. We always wanna be moving in the right direction. Even if it's a baby step in the right direction, it's still going there. It's still creating the loop that you want. So let yourself do any amount, but we don't wanna get in the habit of just rushing and then saying, ah, it doesn't work, right? Because if we're mindless when we're practicing, then we're still up here, right? We're still in our heads. We're not, we didn't actually come down and be in the body to actually feel what's going on. So we need to make that shift from the mind flying around everywhere up here to and being in the body and feeling what's happening and letting ourselves physically relax, releasing the tension that we're holding. And finally, the last obstacle is the all or nothing. So if you miss it, like, so let's say you're eating and you're like, oh my God, I only have two bites of food left and I totally forgot to breathe and I totally forgot to relax my muscles. You just pause right there. You do it as soon as you remember. And that is also very positive because you're still creating the pattern interrupt. Even if you forgot for the whole meal and you remember an hour later, just do it then to, to, to get the body into practice and to train that way. Does that make sense? So here's the summary of today. So what we did, we focused on the intention and the mindset. We, we reviewed the parasympathetic nervous system and how to activate it and the positive side effects of what happens when that is the dominant part of your nervous system that's operating. Um, we learned the second tool, right? Relaxation. We practiced it in conjunction with the breath. So now you have two tools that are working together. And you learned now a little bit of a structure of how to practice at home while you're eating. And you got to see the obstacles to watch out for as you're practicing. So again, I'm just going to put this slide up here so you have that reminder. Oh, and I put this little, um, this little, let me just go over this for a second. So for how to practice at home. So shift to the parasympathetic state with breath work and muscle relaxation before, during, after eating. You know that, okay? Remember to try to relax the muscles on the exhale, okay? That's an important piece because then you're going, you're, you're working with yourself because there's already a release. So you're just deepening the release now in a new spot. Um, and also use the, the proper mindset intention. Take notes like um, like Laura, how you, how you shared your observations and stuff. Continue to take notes. Um, so you can ask yourself these questions. Oh, where am I holding tension? What am I noticing? Like what, um, what are the types of situations that tend to bring up this tension? Where am I holding it, right? Um, and then finally, last one here, which also Lori actually did really beautifully, and a bunch of you um, did really beautifully in the group this week. Wow, writing your wins. Um, now wins, when you write your wins, write down um, progress that you're noticing, observations that you've had, um, shifts that you're noticing, the fact that you're doing the practice at all, like this is a win. The fact that you're showing up to celebrate yourself and look for the progress instead of just, oh, this isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. This, really looking for the progress, looking for what you're doing well. The more we do that, the more we reinforce success and the mentality of success. We'll go through this in, in another class um, where we talk more about the mind. But this is the idea is write your wins to start to fuel that success energy. Okay. So um, that's it. Wow. A lot of you guys are still with me. That's amazing. Because <laughs> that was long, wasn't it? So I won't keep you any longer. But what I will say before we go is, again, practice makes up 99% of this.
So it's something that anybody can do. It doesn't matter how long you've been binge eating. It doesn't matter how long it's been going on or how many diets you've been on or which diets you've tried. None of that matters anymore because you have a body, you have a brain that both work. And if that's the case, you can do this. And the more you shift to the parasympathetic state, um, the more access you'll have to do the work that comes next, right? The mental work, the emotional work. This is the foundation. This is the most important piece. And not only that, but if you master this, everything will come. It does. That's why I'm showing you this in this much detail now, because if you can practice this, the rest will come. And of course, some of you guys are going to want like the more intimate support. And that's why, you know, some of you guys reach out to us and, and you know, work with us. That's great, too, because then, you know, yourself, you say, I know, I know that like this, this is going to be expedited or this is going to be more effective when I have that guidance. That's great, too. But if you're practicing on your own, focus on these tools as your foundation, as the most important piece. Like this is so much more important than anything else you could do. Any research you could do, focus on shifting to the parasympathetic state because anything else that you do will be more clear. It will be more focused. It will be more calm and you will get better and better and better results. And it will be peaceful and it will be pleasant <laughs> and it will be beautiful. Um, so with that, I will let you go. And next week we've got class number three where you're, we're going to be applying these things to eating more deeply. And then we've got class number four. So we're halfway through. So way to be here, way to show up for yourself, way to be committed to yourself, way to open your mind to something new and different. So um, I'm very grateful to be sharing this with you. These are the tools that have been saving my life and um, so many of our clients. And I'm very grateful to share. So thank you for your support. And I really look, look forward to seeing your wins um, and what you're practicing and learning in our group. So talk to you guys next week and I'll see you then. Bye guys.